Welcome to Adventures in Business. This is a show where we have thought-provoking conversations with founders, CEOs, and business leaders of various industries to learn about their stumps, falls, trials, tribulations, and successes on how they manage the current business environment. Join our hosts, Mandy Graziano and Amani Roberts, as we chat with our next guest. Welcome in. We're here. This is Adventures in Business. This is today is February 27th. We're here, Mandy. How are we doing? February is almost over. What are our thoughts? What are we thinking? Oh, we're feeling good and groovy about February. I conquered February. How'd you how'd you do in February? <laughs> I did very well in February. Just got back uh on a trip to DC, which was exciting. So that was good. And um March is here. Time is flying by so fast. Um, what are you looking forward to in March? Ooh, you know, I I have a lot to look forward to in March. I am excited. I'm doing a really big um, coaching, a sales coaching gig in Minneapolis in March, and I'm super excited. I haven't been in Minneapolis in a while, and you know, I love rolling my sleeves up and getting with a team of people to talk about sales problems and solve them on the spot. So I'm most excited about that in March. What about you? March, March is spring break month. So that's always fun there. So mm. I think I'll be able to sleep in some time and rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just not sure what else with March. Like that's really what I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> um, we have Global Meetings Industry Day on the 30th, which will be interesting for NPI. Oh, yeah. They moved it. Is that early? It's earlier this year, isn't it? Normally like April 6th April. or something. But yeah. for our celebration with the uh, global celebration, we're going to be the same time. So it's good. It's going to be exciting. So that's good for us. Yeah. You know, uh, March Madness is coming up. That's always exciting. This year, I'm fortunate. The team I love, University of Maryland, is doing well. So we at least can be in the tournament. So, mm. yeah. Do you do a bracket? Are you a bracket person, Amani? I'm a little bit of a bracket person. And then, yeah. you know, I'm going to get to Vegas and bet on some of the opening round games, you know. So I'm a little bit of a bracket. We'll see this year. This year, I might engage even more. <laughs> Ooh, there you go, because it's spring break. I am not a bracket person, but I inevitably always fill out a bracket. And by blind luck, sometimes I make it to the final four, and most times I don't. But I'll participate, but I have no clue what I'm doing. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have Sean Kirkland, who's a Kansas fan. He says rock chalk. I love that, Sean, in the chat. Hi, Welcome. Sean. Thank you for being here with us. Tell us, uh, Mandy, tell us about our guest today. Very exciting. Well, I have to tell you, our guest, I am so excited to share our guest with you. She is one, she was just ranked one of the top 15 coaches in San Diego. So for her to spend time with us is so valuable and just get your pens and papers out. She always, I, every time I visit with her, with Dr. Wall, I get so many nuggets. So you are going to get so many nuggets. Um, She is an amazing person. She's a wife, a mom. She does parkour. I don't know if she still does parkour, but she used to do parkour. She inspires executive women to elevate their careers and to gain visibility and to advocate for themselves. And she is somebody who has taught me the most that I've ever known and I still apply today about time management. So we'll have her tell you everything all about herself. She's the founder of Noteworthy, Dr. Alessandra Wall. Okay, I'll give you a round of applause there. I think it'll pop up here. Yes, we'll get some applause going. All right, all right. Hi, Dr. Wall. Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks for spending time with us today. Can I have you follow me everywhere for introductions like that? (laughs) Yes! Everywhere? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'll record it and you can just like, it'll be like a a parakeet on your shoulder. Will that work? I'll take it. It's like a, a morning mantra. I'll just play Mandy in the background. Oh my gosh. I should sell that morning mantras with Mandy. That sounds great. Yes. Uh, are you, can you tell us about Noteworthy? We're going to go into all things great about you, but can you just first, can you share what Noteworthy is and how people use Noteworthy and just what Noteworthy is in the ether? Noteworthy is the reason I don't do parkour anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Noteworthy also, is my baby. It is, mm-hmm. it is, it is the, my, 
my labor of love. It's my company. Uh, it is named Noteworthy because our mission is to help get as many women as possible into the highest levels of leadership. So whether we're talking about corporate leadership or even government, just women in power. So the thing I'm looking forward to the most in March is that it's International Women's Month. Mm. So they, it's, it's my month. It's no, it's our noteworthy month. And, um, and we want to get so many women into positions of power that it's not noteworthy anymore, that, that we don't need to make those statements about first women or 20% of women, that it just is. Uh, the company, as I said, is a labor of love. I'm a glutton for punishment. So I just like to reinvent myself instead of resting on my laurels, which has its benefits and its downsides. But we very specifically support women in industries right now who are changing the world to so finance because money's power. And all things STEM, tech, biotech, because they're sh shaping the world of the future. And, and we just help the, the executive women at those places either rise to where they need to be or when they're in those positions, actually stand up and take like all the authority, all, all the space and all the power so that they can lead well, not so that they can like get high and mighty with the power, but lead really well. I love that. And awesome. oh, you go, well, go oh, ahead. Mandy. We go back and forth. You'll see that. I'll let Mandy ask another, then I have a follow up. So go ahead, Mandy. Well, how do you do that? I mean, I know I belong to your noteworthy community last year, and I know you're really mm -hmm. big on micro communities. So can you explain how how you help women raise to the power? Like, what are some of the tactics that you do? They're probably they're not probably there are five big tactics that we apply. So the first comes from my background. I started life as a clinical psychologist. Um, so the first is making sure that we're all clear on what it is that we want and need, what right for us looks like right now. And most of us are not really good at that. Most people, I'm sure, listening, wherever you fall on the gender spectrum, the last time you probably thought about what you wanted to do or really in depth, you're probably in your 20s. So that's the first piece is being clear on what right for you looks like, because that way we can set more strategic goals. We're just better decision makers. We can stick to our guns. We can trust ourselves more. The second huge piece, which is probably my favorite thing to talk about is building recognition and visibility, which for everybody is really important. And for women is extra important. It's the number one factor associated with advancement. So a lot of that is like knowing what you love doing that you're good at, knowing how to speak about it. For a woman, knowing how to speak about it and not have everybody look at you like there's something wrong with you because you walked into the room and said, I'm awesome at this. Uh, which men and women alike don't like seeing women do, unless you're a celebrity, in which case we love you. Um, we There's a big piece about just confidence, which also pulls from my background as a psychologist. Uh, a lot of us, all of us humans, have a lot of chatter in our head, so it's about getting rid of that chatter so it doesn't get in the way of us being effective. And then the big power move, right, which is who do you know? What do they think of you? How, how do you give back to the world, but how do you ask the world to give back to you? And last but not least, and Mandy, what you know me best for is what we like to call freedom at Noteworthy, which is how do you set up systems so you can rise and have the success you want and be super ambitious and not hate life? Mm. Now you're, you're discussing the chatter in your head. <laughs> for all of us who struggle with the chatter in your head, whether it be, you know, negative chatter, whether it be like anxiety or worrying about the future or can't get over the past, what advice do you have for us and what techniques can we use to work on that so we can improve that muscle? Okay. Boom. Two pieces of advice. <laughs> the first one is to learn to slow down and spend time doing nothing, which I realize is crazy advice in today's world. But if there's one thing that I would recommend for everybody listening, it's get in the habit, I don't know, like two or three times a day of taking two to five minutes and doing nothing. So nothing does not mean I'm listening to the radio or a podcast or doing a deep breathing meditation exercise. We get to check boxes off. That's a doing thing. It literally means you sit outside and stare into space. You let your coffee heat in the microwave, which is terrible. Don't drink reheated coffee. Um, you brew your coffee and you, you just stand there. You don't do the dishes. The importance of that is it's your first chance for many of us to check in with yourself. 
to just figure out how you're feeling with whether you're stressed or not. For anybody who's in creative spaces, if you are not spending time doing nothing, then you are not allowing your creative muscle to exercise itself. The best ideas, the best inventions come from people spending time observing the world and doing nothing. And then the second quick and easy piece of advice is for all the folks out there who have a lot of what if negative chatter in their head, like what if this doesn't work? What if my quarter doesn't end the way I want it to? What if the client says no? What if she doesn't love me? Whatever it is, it's to ground yourself in what is. And what is is factually based. It's like what I know to be true are the following things. And so just start making decisions or just start worrying about what I know to be true because what if is always a negative fantasy. What if is a blank canvas upon which every single one of your biggest fears is going to be projected. But if I can come back and go, well, what is, is, um, I don't know. The, my sales have been going pretty well this month. What is, is, uh, she said yes to the date. What is, is, you know, this year, there's no reason why taxes should be worse than last year. Mm -hmm. that's a, I think that's the biggest stressor for me come, Come mid February is taxes mm -hmm. for, for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I love that call out though between the what if and the what is. Amani, do you do that? Like, are you are you a what ifer or a what iser? I'm 100 percent a what ifer, and that's why I asked the question because I need to figure out a way to change the mindset and the way I frame that. Um, because, you know, as business owners, you're like, what if this client cancels? Well, you know, as you know, a single guy, what if she says no to the date? You know, simple <laughs> things like that, you know? Um, what if I run out of time? That's a, that's a common what if in terms of whether it be professional life, personal life. So I guess my follow-up to that, uh, I, I mean, we went right into the details here. We, we, we forgot getting to know you, but like, what are, I know. What are additional resources that you think are helpful? I love just the standing around and doing nothing for three to five minutes every day. Um, and we always ask about books later. So I'll ask you about books later, but I'm just kind of curious because I know a lot of people struggle with feeling like they're running out of time, whether it be with their career specifically, growing their business. It could be their personal life. What do you say to people when they express that uh, fear to you? And how do you advise people to get through these types of fears? Well, the good thing for anybody listening is it's going to sound like I'm a broken record. The, <laughs> the reason I say that's a really good thing is they're not a thousand things to learn and they're not a thousand things to practice. They really are just a handful of things. So I'm going to admit this. I am a warrior. I, when I specialize, when I practice psychology regularly, I specialize in anxiety. And part of the reason I was good at what I did is I understood what it looked like from the other side of my office, not just the therapist chair. Um, so even now with my businesses, I am super prone to worrying all the time. It, my business is never as secure as I think it should be. It doesn't matter if year over year over year there's growth. I'm like, maybe this year is the year that nothing, like that things will stay stagnant or worse, that things will go back. So again, the big thing is for me is to sit down and look at what are the numbers telling me? What is the information telling me? It's to identify that that self-doubt. I don't know how it shows up for you. Very candidly for me, it's like not good enough. <laughs> it's just, mm. so I literally, uh, on days I'm having a terrible day, will sit there and I will close my eyes and I will try to remind myself I am good enough. I'm good enough. And I have all this proof that I've collected that I'm good enough, but you can walk around with a PhD and, and a thriving business and multiple businesses under your belt and still sometimes doubt those things. Um, the other thing that I really like to practice in terms of wondering if I'm running out of time is really looking at what's a priority. So that's what I was referring to with the broken record. It goes back to that first thing I said where the place that I start with nearly everybody is, what does right for you look like? What are the things that you need and want? And then based on that, what what amount of time do you have? What's your energy look like? And, and how do you prioritize that? And, and at Noteworthy, we do that uh, on a biannual scale, like twice a year, we do strategic planning. 
But I have a lot of women who work on that in a daily level. Literally, they message me. We use Slack as our as a, to organize our community. They message me daily and they're like, my three to-dos today, Alessandra, are dump, 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 dump. Um, on, I have this huge whiteboard here on the side. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down my three to-dos this morning because I'm much more effective, much more efficient. And that that grounds me and it grounds other people too. All right. Uh, well, that's uh, I'm taking notes as you see. So I'm going to continue to take notes and let Mandy ask her next question. <laughs> here. Amadi, you're all a flutter. You're like, I'm taking notes. I'm producing a show. Like, but I love, I love, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen you take notes before. So good on you. Well, I mean, in full disclosure, I think we should share with the audience. I was a patient of Dr. Walls back in 2015. I was diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder. And Mm. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what was going on. And I went to Dr. I went to a couple um, different people first and landed at Dr. Wall. And I can say, and I know Dr. Wall, you know this because I've said this, but she changed my life. And it wasn't just about helping me learn to manage my anxiety. You take a really scientific approach to understanding the actual disorder and understanding like this is something that's with you all the time. Mm -hmm. And here are some things that you can tell about yourself. Like what she taught me a lot was when my mouth gets dry or what, when, how to recognize the initial signs. So can you just build on that a little bit, Dr. Well, how, like how many of us, we don't, can you first explain scientifically what anxiety is? Cause I, I have a pet peeve. Like I feel like when people are like, oh, I have anxiety today. Like, I feel like people are just misusing this word all around. So can you explain like scientifically what anxiety is? And then just share like some of the things we could all do better about recognizing it earlier or um, just things we can do to manage that or, or cope that. And I know you do so much more than this, but I wanted to go back to that because that's how we met. And then I've grown with yeah. you ever since. So we can go, you know, go about noteworthy too. Well, the beauty is it all ties in, right? Like yeah. my past careers tie into what the work I do now and allow me to be better at what I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. you want to think about anxiety and fear. Fear is an adaptive response to the world and your environment. And without fear, we would not have evolved. We would not have survived as a species. So if fear is the physiological response and emotional response to a threat that is present, right? Like I'm walking down the canyon behind my house, mountain lion or a large pack of coyotes, the latter being much more likely come up, I will experience fear. Anxiety is the response to a perceived threat. And the problem with the perceived is sometimes the threat is real Maybe the tax man is coming to get you. Um, maybe, maybe the maybe the perceived threat is not real, but the body doesn't distinguish because what you think becomes your reality. So when you tell yourself, that's why what if is so dangerous. When you tell yourself that something could happen, that something might happen, that something is going to happen, your body starts responding to that thought as if you were facing the pack of coyotes or zombies, which is why I wanted to do parkour. (laughs) So much more fun to think about it in terms of zombies, right? So if I'm facing a a horde of zombies, my body is going to mobilize itself in order to be able to evade or fight the zombie. Um, My mouth's going to go dry since Mandy mentioned that because I need to stop the digestive process. The last thing I need to do is take a bathroom break while running away from said zombies my uh that that tingly feeling you feel sometimes or that sense of being hyped up is a ton of adrenaline and your body gets flooded with adrenaline among other things because for anybody here who's played a sport and who's hurt themselves or who's had a i had a motorcycle crash i still have some 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 roadside in me um (laughs) you might not immediately feel the pain and adrenaline allows you to do that adrenaline gives you that super power boost and allows you not to feel pain But if you're sitting in your office, kind of working on a a client project and you're flooded with adrenaline suddenly, you're going to feel really jittery. You're going to feel out of control. You're going to feel that sense of impending doom. But really all it is is adrenaline. If you went running, you could burn that off or weightlifting, you could burn it off or a dance party, 
right? I hate running uh, unless I'm being pursued by something. But you know, you could jack the music up in your office and start dancing and burn some of that adrenaline off. So what Manny's talking about is probably because I was always worried of facing skeptics, I started to learn very rapidly what the scientific underpinning uh, was of the things I talk about, even deep breathing, right? Deep breathing works because when you take large diaphragmatic breaths and you expand your diaphragm, it puts pressure on this, va on this um, vagal nerve that tells your body literally shut off the fight or flight response. That's why if you take proper deep breaths, it works, right? But if you just, <sighs> you're going to pass out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the problem with anxiety is most of us are stressed. Life is stressful. Stress is good. Think of how you build muscles. You stress your body. You build muscles. You build strong bones by stressing like your skeletal system. So stress is important and stress is good. Anxiety in psychology is what we call an overreaction, right? So that there, anytime you talk about depression or anxiety as a psychologist, there's this word disorder that comes behind it. And the basis of that word disorder means it has to interfere with proper functioning. So all of us are stressed without it interfering necessarily with proper functioning. All of us experience grief or depression or anger without it necessarily truly interfering with proper functioning. And then we can say feeling anxious, but that's not the same thing as saying I have anxiety or an anxiety disorder. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Thank you. And then how, so then merging into the noteworthy work that you do, how does anxiety, depression, this, this, what if versus what is, how does that show up for most women that you're working with or just most people in general? How, do, how does that show up like commonly? The, it, broadly, there are two categories of women we tend to work with at noteworthy. One category is women who are successful, but stuck. Right? They're trying to get the next promotion or a raise or access to projects or a seat at the table or a voice if they're at the table and they're not getting there. And the other group of women are women who are exactly where they need to be. Um, they just want to make sure they can show up really powerfully and do their job well. And in both cases, there tend to be a number of internal and external factors that uh, A, can lead to anxiety in the form of self-doubt or B, can lead to high, high levels of stress, maybe at times burnout, which have to do with like the pace that you have to keep up. Mm -hmm. um, most of the women where I see it come up is they, they walk around thinking they have to be Wonder Woman, right? And my definition of a Wonder Woman is a woman who thinks that she has to be everything to everyone at all times in order to have value. And if you just think about that for a second, you know, Amani, think about that. If you watch around, you're like, in order to have value, in order for people to think I'm good, I have to be everything to everyone at all times. Since that's absolutely impossible, you're constantly living in this fear that you're letting somebody down, that somebody will discover you're not as good as you believe they think you should be. Um, you're constantly doing way too much work. So you're not resting or you're not taking care of yourself or you're not prioritizing what needs to be important. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of correcting mindset that goes on into helping humans just show up more effectively. And then beyond that, there's a lot of correcting habits. I would have two awesome. follow-up questions. Um, first for Mandy after you went to Dr. Wall for some sessions or treatment, I don't know, what's the proper way to determine? What, what, what would it be called? When Mandy, when Mandy started, she was doing yeah. sessions slash treatment. Both words would okay. work. Okay. <laughs> so Mandy, my first question to you is like, what were maybe some of your two or three biggest takeaways after you kind of underwent that uh, process, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, I still do them to this day. Uh, the AON, the art of nothing. Like when, mm -hmm. when Alessandra talked about that, I still do art of nothing. Um, I remember uh, daydreaming. She, she talked about the scientific value mm -hmm. of daydreaming and just allowing your brain to go to all the places, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Mm -hmm. 
and letting your brain go to the worst possible place and saying like, it's not like, then what? And then what? And then what? And when you realize it goes to the worst possible place and it's not that bad, Mm -hmm. then you kind of pull back because you, you know, I think so many times we spend taking our brain to the worst place and being afraid of it. But when you daydream and let your brain go there and you're like, ah, it's not that bad. Uh, But I think uh, the thing that Alessandra helped me with the most. And I know Amani, you and I talk about this all the time, our time buckets and time management and Mm -hmm. making time for health and prioritizing. Um, You know, my my anxiety uh, disorder is very physical. So I have all these physical things happen to me before anything mentally. But as Dr. Wall taught me, by the time it gets to my brain, it's probably mismanaged. All the physical stuff's probably mismanaged. I probably ignored a bunch of things my body's giving me, my bunch of signs my body's giving me. So I think uh, another big takeaway was just really pay attention to my body, pay attention. My my um, Mine are the tingling in my arms or the ringing in my ears. As soon as that happens, I'm like, oh, we start uh, paying attention to this. So that was to paying attention to your body was a big thing. Daydreaming, art of nothing, time management. I mean, I don't know. All the things. That I could go on oh. and on about everything. Yeah, That's interesting. And then when I'm listening to your description of kind of what anxiety is, it brings me to another uh, topic that affects a lot of people, especially people who are like in leadership positions or achieving things at a, a nice pace is imposter syndrome. So what's your definition of imposter syndrome and how do you walk people through getting past that. I'll just start by saying, like Mandy was talking about with anxiety, I think it's way overused as a term. However, for me, imposter syndrome is simply the, the, what happens when we doubt ourselves in a position that we've, that we've earned and achieved period. So if I walk into a space and I have clearly earned and that space, that role, that responsibility. But I sit there and, and tell myself constantly, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I should, I should, I should. Which in my experience usually comes from some form of that Wonder Woman thing I was just talking about. Then I would qualify that as imposter syndrome. And, and for me, it's, it, it really, like my practices are all the same. It really comes back to what do we know to be true? How did you get here? What can you do? What's the expectation? When we're working, when I'm working with women to help position them for new roles, whether it's an internal promotion or an external one, a lot of times I tell them, be as honest as possible about what you are awesome at and be clear that you excel in these spaces, position yourself to do stuff that you excel at, rather than raising your hands to do things that you can do, but you hate. That's like a recipe to walk into work and hate your job uh, and be successful. Um, And the other thing is be clear about what's not in your wheelhouse. And you can do that without making yourself look less valuable. So let's say you and I were working together, Imani, and you said, hey, Alessandra, you're pretty good at paying attention to details. We really need a lot of help with accounting. And I used to do accounting for my business for many, many years to the great amusement of my, my accountant because I would keep my stuff down to the penny. He's like, nobody does that in business. In any case... I might come up to you and say, you know, I really appreciate you thinking of me and noticing that I, that I do love details and I pay attention to details, which is true. But the reality is where my greatest value comes, where I can make the most impact for us in our partnership, in our business, as, as, a, as a client, whatever it is, is the following things. Right. You don't want me taking care of your accounting because actually it takes me way too much time. Love details. Terrible at managing them. Mm-hmm. That's why I have an amazing executive assistant mm-hmm. um, and, a, and an expert accountant and a bookkeeper now. Right. And so a, a big piece of not experiencing imposter syndrome is coming to terms with what your limitations are and being willing to present them, not as though they're weaknesses, but simply question of where your your true value lies. I think you bring something. I mean, I love that, right? Because imposter syndrome, everybody does talk about it. And yet between imposter syndrome, anxiety, and the word pivot, like like, let's (laughs) talk about overkill, all three. But it is a thing. But as you're talking about value, right? Establishing value in the workplace. And for many people, men and women in the workplace, everybody's wearing 25 hats and they're really only assigned one job. 
So can you talk about that a little more? Cause you just touched like, Hey, Alessandra, you're really good at math. Can you do all the accounting? And then I don't have to hire like four more people. Can you talk about like what a that is in the workplace where everybody's being overwhelmed with all these tasks and people are just shoving them off, but people having setting boundaries, being able or being able to establish own value while, you know, putting their hand up uh, and not accepting the burden of all these tasks. Mm -hmm. I know that's happening. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, first of all, I'd say I really firmly believe, or in my experience, the problem starts at the interview level, right? Like, and it starts with the interviewee, not with the interviewer. So mm -hmm. at the interview level, it is your responsibility. If you are positioning yourself for promotion in your company, or if you're looking for a new job, to be really, really clear about what you do, about how you want to apply that skill. I might be really good at certain things. Let's let's think about building rapport. I'd like to believe I'm really good at building rapport. And for years, I used that to be a psychologist. And as Mandy knows, I have no desire to operate as a psychologist anymore. <laughs> right. So just because I have a skill set, I also I have to be able to articulate that like that's a skill set I'm really good at and love exercising, but how I want to exercise that skill set. And then the other piece is at the corporate level, I've worked with companies. We use a process at Noteworthy that we call the unforgettable process to help people articulate their value. And it's beautiful. It works really, really well. And I, we've worked with companies also to help them embed this in their onboarding so that at the interview level and then when somebody's coming on your team or when you as a leader are onboarding new people, you get them to articulate what what they excel at that they love doing. And you try to position people as much as possible to do those things, to not have these jacks of all trades. So there, there's, a, there's a systemic problem in terms of how we operate. And then the other piece I really see with women, and I'd be interested for the men who are listening to, I'd love to know what your experience is with this, but for women, there is a tendency for women, A, to raise their hands to say yes to everything that they can do. And, it, and it's, a, it's a Wonder Woman thing, right? I can help, I can do this, nobody else is saying it, I'll just be helpful. So that's, that's on them. But what's on other people is there's a tendency for everybody else to point to the one Wonder Woman in the room and go, Mandy, you're really good at this, can you do this? Hey, could you take this on? You know, last time you were wonderful, let's ask Mandy, right? So we create this like catch 22 of, Feeling like you have to, but even if you don't, or when these women stop raising their hands, having to have the courage to say no again and again and again. Mm -hmm. so, I can't see the chat, but if any men <laughs> had any feedback on that, would love to know their experience too. Yeah, I will let you know what they say. Chris, I see you here in the chat. Good to see you there. Um, as we wait for the men to respond, <laughs> I'm curious about your career. And how were you able, it's kind of a totally random question, but it applies while we wait. How are you able to continue to grow your speaking career throughout the years? Because you've been doing it for a while. Mm -hmm. And there are many people who are watching the show that are maybe aspiring speakers. And what's your perspective on how you've grown your career and how you've kind of began your speaking career in a time period where talking about mental health and some of the things that you speak about was not very popular? How were you able to navigate that and still to, to this day be successful? Uh, going back to the central tenet is know know what your know what your area of expertise is, know what you're good at talking about. My very 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 first speaking gig was a psychology of food and eating, mm. and mm. and I loved it. I love talking about like you know on paper it's really easy to figure out how to be healthy but the reality of it is much different because food isn't just about nutrition it's about culture and it's about identity and it's about soothing and it's it's about how we show love but then evolving that message the the one of so one of the ways i was able to do this is at any given point in time in my career to be clear on a where i where i had expertise b what were the topics that i was really excited about because I moved from that to talking about defining right for you for years. Mm -hmm. That was what people pulled me in. And nowadays when I'm invited to speak, oftentimes, whether it's a podcast or I did a keynote um, at the convention here center here, I'm pulled in to do trainings on this. A lot of it is on that value articulation piece. And um, 
the other thing I was able to do over time to really keep that career going is to realize that I didn't need to invent a new talk mm. or speech or topic for every single um, contract or show or opportunity I had. When I started, I did. I had like 15 different speaking topics. And now wow. I'm like, no, this is, this is my thing. This is what I know. Look at Amani and I are just shaking our head because that's what we do. We talk about this all the time. It's like, you know what? Like we want to talk about all the things and we can create something each time, but really it's a different audience. You can't just talk about one or two things. You don't have to recreate something every time. So I, we, I totally understand that. That's just funny that I think everybody goes to that. Every early yeah. speaker goes to that. Well, to us, we feel like broken records because you're mm -hmm. the person talking about it. But few of us are, you always use her as an example, but uh, whatever, Simon Sinek, or a few of us are Oprah Winfrey, who's who I use, mm -hmm. where people are really paying attention to what we're saying. Mm -hmm. So we feel like a broken record because you're like, I just talked about this. I just talked about this. But our audiences are not so big that everybody's like, oh, my goodness. And then if you think of the people who do, I just used Simon Sinek as an example earlier. He talked for years about what is your why. Years. That's all he <laughs> talked about. But I don't think many of us sat there and got, went, oh, my goodness, he's talking about what is your why. We're like, what are you going to teach us about defining our why now? Yes, right? exactly. So if we realize that, that to me, that is central. And then the other thing is to learn not to be boring. I In academia, which is my background, most speakers are boring. They're terrible. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening and you're in academics, but you know what I mean. It's a 64, it's a 64 slide PowerPoint, which with like 12 point font slides, and everything you're saying is written on the slide. It's so rude. It's so rude to your captive audience mm -hmm. to do that. So a longevity in career, I think, is also really trying to think about who your audience is and making sure that you provide knowledge. And that you're entertaining. Yeah. Yes. yes. As two of us who teach in the academia world now, we couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It's you, Mandy. Go ahead. <laughs> we we totally agree. I was just thinking about my last class. We're always <laughs> talking about teaching classes and like engaging in. So, anyways, you're, you're preaching to the choir. So I want to switch gears for a second because I want to talk about LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn Live. You are so active on LinkedIn and you provide so much value on your LinkedIn page. So anybody that is listening or watching, if you do not follow Alessandra Waugh, her information is scrolling in the ticker, follow her because there's so much value. So can you talk a little bit about wh what your LinkedIn practices are, your journey with LinkedIn, like where, where you started and where you're at now and what you think um, you provide with your LinkedIn page and what other people should provide or consider yeah. providing? So teeny bit of background. I said earlier that one of the one of the pillars of what we do at Noteworthy is helping women build visibility and recognition. When I moved out of just being a therapist, so I was just a therapist for many years. And then I was a therapist also building a coaching business. And I started in 2014 and I had my PhD. I was knowledgeable. I worked hard. I created a whole bunch of content that I use to this day. And I burnt myself out. I worked so hard. I created content on Facebook and Instagram, and I was doing summits and I was doing all this work and I burnt myself out and I had a failing business. I mean, my best year was $18,000 gross revenue. I so I love putting the numbers out because nobody wants to talk yeah. about the real numbers. Yeah, no, I'm glad normal. you did. Yeah, it's good. Right. And I took six months off. And then in those six months, I thought of who I'd worked with that I loved working with, what I did that really worked, that made me happy, and where these people were. And it's the women I work with today doing the things I do now, and they're on LinkedIn. And what I realized is, being really good at what you do is not enough if people don't know what you do and they don't know how good you are at it mm -hmm. and they don't know how all of that applies to them. So I started posting and the way I started, which I think is a great way for anybody who's starting is I would take stories from the conversations I had every single day and I would take quotes. I still do. 
when people, and sometimes I'm talking to people, they'll say something and I'll just write the quote down <clears throat> and I'd create posts out of them. Uh, and I would post anywhere from three to five times a week. And I still do post anywhere from three to five times a week, but at its, at its inception, that's how I started. I just wanted to share these things that I heard again and again and again, and wanted to share my opinion on it and my process. What has shifted where I've become more sophisticated with LinkedIn, if you're building a business, if you're in charge of sales, you know, Mark, Mandy knows way more about sales than I do. But in terms of positioning yourself is making sure that on top of telling wonderful stories, you're explaining to people how these stories tie into what you do and the transformations you can create for people. And you bring in a call to action. So I have a lot more of what feels like and what was very uncomfortably typical sales posts where I take stuff I've written and then I'll go, hey, you know, this is what we do and this is where you can apply for a call and da 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 But what I found is that combination of building relationships, networking outside of, of like my work and building visibility has helped me build a multi-six-figure business. And you know, we, my goal is a multi seven figure business. Mm -hmm. We are going to, this is going to be big, but you can't do that unless you're present. So I, I post five days a week. I use stories from the women I work with always. I use quotes. I ask people to give me advice. I don't make it too difficult. And right now I'm still the one creating my content. Although I now have copywriters who help refine my content, which is really nice. And it took me a long time mm -hmm. to look at somebody and go, I wrote this. Can you clean it up for me a little bit? But still the one doing it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love on your LinkedIn. Uh, uh, Alessandra does this really cool thing where when she posts, then she asks a question of other people mm -hmm. and will tag people. And so there's a lot of engagement. There's a lot of comments and a lot of nuggets. I mean, you can just look at her LinkedIn page for a week and just get a, it, it's like reading a full book of how to, how to establish value, how to, how, you know, how to handle certain situations. I mean, I think it's really engaging, interactive. There's a lot to be learned, I think, from your LinkedIn page. I really believe in asking a question to get people because, you know, if you want, if you're looking at building your visibility or building your followership on LinkedIn, you, you A, put out value, always put out value, but B, you need to engage people. Otherwise what people do is they just read or they just read and they like. And from mm -hmm. a strict numbers perspective, LinkedIn doesn't like that. They want people to actively engage. So they want people to write a comment. They're happiest if people write a comment that's 12 words or more. So if you love somebody, show them some love by writing an intelligent comment that's 12 words or more that creates a conversation. Uh, and Asking a question does that. One of the other great ways of doing that is to make sure that you're showing up that way for people you admire on LinkedIn or people you're following and create mm -hmm. real relationships and engage other people on LinkedIn and they will come and they will engage you when you post. Mm -hmm. Why um, LinkedIn? Out of all the platforms, why LinkedIn? Because my focus is on executive women executive women who are seeking help very specifically in the professional realm. And, um, and I'm not cheap. And the kinds of services I'm offering are professional services. The price points are the kinds of price points people are not going on TikTok or Instagram to, to look at that. And so, as I said, initially I was on all, and I, if, if TikTok had existed at the time I got off of all that stuff, I would have been on TikTok too, <laughs> making videos. <laughs> I'm so happy I don't have to be because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on the other platforms at all anymore. The second I could get off for business, I'm like, so long. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. I think we're to a point now where it's time for you to ask us questions. So mm -hmm. what we do is we allow you to ask both Mandy and myself a question and it's kind of like a little quick little reverse of the interview we're having now. So first is, who do you want to ask the question for first? And then the second would be, what is your question? Okay, I got two questions. I can't ask you both the same question. You, you We'll let you. We'll allow well, it. Okay, well, okay. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I love karaoke, so I have a, a Spotify list of songs I sing. 
And this morning I was playing it while driving and Beyonce's If I Were a Boy. Anton, <laughs> you know that song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So fill in the gap. If I were a boy, dot, 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 Mandy. Oh, wow. It's funny. I have a side rail on this really quick. It's funny <laughs> that you say if I were a boy because when my husband and I first moved in together, my, he was my boyfriend at the time. He would hear me on the phone sometimes, like negotiating a contract. And he at one point was like, could you put your balls back in your pants before I get home from work? <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to say that on LinkedIn. But he'd be well, like, he just did. He's like, if you could just put it back in your pants before. I could. He's like, I love what you do for work, but coming home and hearing it stresses me out, which I thought was funny. But I think that is a funny, like if I came home and he was, you know, you know, doing a tough negotiation, I'd be like, go, Scoot, go. But there is that stigma, right? So if I were a boy, I'd probably ne negotiate twice as hard and not trying to hide behind some femininity, I think. I love it. I'd, I would just go balls out. Sorry, Amadi, twice. It's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. Basketballs, <laughs> baseballs, soccer balls. Yes, all right. the balls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Amani, I'm going to give you a choice. I can flip that question if I were a girl, dot, 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 or I can ask you another question. Uh, if I were a girl, <laughs> I would be even more secure with like my sensitive side and emotions. I love it. Aww, it that's good. That's good. Those are good. Now, since we have a little bit of extra time, ask us your second question since we have a little oh, bit of extra time. <laughs> Here's my second question. The, what's one thing that makes you noteworthy? Oh, Mandy, you go first. You go first. I went first before. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> okay. I would say one thing that makes me noteworthy would be just um, like my skill set. Like I'm a professor, a DJ, an author all wrapped into one. And that's very rare in the music industry and the DJ world. You're like an expert. Like just that's like, what's your job? Professional expert. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm still learning, but thank you. Yes. <laughs> Amani is an expert in so many things. Yeah. 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 Um, what's my, what's, why am I noteworthy? Yeah. What's I, one thing? There are many, but what's one thing you get to choose today? To share. Um, I think I care. I think I think I think one of my greatest assets is I genuinely, I genuinely care. I almost swore, Amani. See, oh, Alexander, you bring it out in me. I genuinely give a like care about people and work and processes and self. I just I think I care. I think that's one of my noteworthy things. I would agree. Yeah. Knowing Mandy. Amani, mm -hmm. I'll just get to know you better, but I will yes. keep professional yeah. expert. Um, <laughs> knowing Mandy, I I would say I'd add a level to it for you. You you do genuinely care about about the work that you do, about the people you work with, and you have a way of making them feel it. Oh, oh, that just gave me the chills. That's yeah. I agree with that. I agree I, never, with that. I never say nice things just to be nice. Okay, I appreciate All that. Right. We good to know. Um, Can I sneak in a question, Imani? Yes, because then I'll ask okay. the final question. And go ahead, okay. sneak it in. Okay, I'm gonna sneak it in. I want to know, um, Dr. Wall, what are what are we doing right? What are executive women doing? I'm take. I'll let me if it, since mm -hmm. I'm sneaking it in. What are what could executive women be doing better? And what can allies of executive women be doing better to support that effort? Okay. Uh, executive women could be helping each other more. I think that's mm. the one thing that we do better because when we feel we have support, we will show up more vocally, more powerfully, more confidently. We just need each other's help. So that's one thing we could do better is that we could, we could show up for each other and it's easier for most of us. It's easier to show up for you than it is to show up for myself and for allies. Uh, Stop questioning our experience. The are you sure? But are you sure? But maybe it's just a little that that would be that that would be one of the big ones. Love that's it. good. Powerful. Love it. I think our final question, and I love this question, although some people give me a hard time because I love to answer, eat it, or answer, ask it so much, but I, I love it anyways. So it's a great question. 
question, Amani. Own that question. I want to own it. You're right, Dr. Wall. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you were just graduating from Duke University a few years ago? A few years ago, all 25 years ago. I know exactly. He said it. He said I wasn't going to say it. I I own proudly own my middle age. I love it. Forty-five. I love it. I I I honestly, really, really, honestly wish I knew that it was okay to do what was right for me above doing what was right. I was a good girl. I did all the right things, and I'm. I mean, the, the, the sad is like all the decisions I made technically on paper were all good decisions, but there are many decisions that I had to come back from because although they were right, they weren't right for me. I wish I'd known that. Well said. It's really good. Well, on behalf of Mandy and myself, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, my mind is a flutter, as Mandy said, with even more <laughs> questions that I would want to ask you. But um, I just appreciate the... Um, the honesty and all the knowledge you have and just thank you for sharing some techniques your career journey like all the things so just thank you very much for being with us today thank you for an incredible experience i have a lot of adrenaline in my body right now but the good kind like really it's like i, I took two cappuccinos i feel great <laughs> <laughs> amani we're a double cappuccino kind of interview <laughs> Let's Great. trademark that. We'll trademark that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Dr. Wall, thank um, you for being here. Um, you, I know I've said this before, you have changed my life and for the better forever. If you don't know anything about Dr. Wall after this interview, I, hopefully you have a lot more information, but follow her, stay in touch with her and um, take some of these principles because they, they've worked for me and I know they'll work for everybody else too. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Awesome. Round of applause there. Thank you for tuning in to Adventures in Business. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening it on. And don't forget to share it with your friends and anybody that might be as much of the business nerds as Amani and I are. See you next time for another captivating interview.